section twenty three of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty one rove not from pole to pole the man lives here whose razors only equalled by his beer and where in either sense the cockney put may if he pleases get confounded cut on the sign of an alehouse kept by a barber we are under the necessity of transporting our readers to the habitation of benjamin subtlechop the husband of the active and deficient dame ursula and who also in his own person discharged more offices than one for besides trimming locks and beards and turning whiskers upward into the martial and swaggering curl or downward into the drooping form which became moustaches of civil policy besides also occasionally letting blood either by cupping or by the lancet extracting a stump and performing other actions of petty pharmacy very nearly as well as his neighbour rare drench the apothecary he could on occasion draw a cup of beer as well as a tooth tap a hog's head as well as a vein and wash with a draught of good ale the moustaches which his art had just trimmed but he carried on these trades apart from each other his barber's shop projected its long and mysterious pole into fleet street painted party-coloured wise to represent the ribbons with which in elder times that ensign was garnished in the window were seen rows of teeth displayed upon strings like rosaries cups with a red rag at the bottom to resemble blood an intimation that patients might be bled cupped or blistered with the assistance of sufficient device while the more profitable but less honourable operations upon the hair of the head and beard were briefly and gravely announced within was the well-worn leather chair for customers the guitar then called a gittern or sittern with which a customer might amuse himself till his predecessor was dismissed from under benjamin's hands and which therefore often flayed the ears of the patient metaphorically while his chin sustained from the razor literal scarification all therefore in this department spoke the chirurgeon barber or the barber chirurgeon but there was a little back room used as a private tap-room which had a separate entrance by a dark and crooked alley which communicated with fleet street after a circuitous passage through several by-lanes and courts this retired temple of bacchus had also a connection with benjamin's more public shop by a long and narrow entrance conducting to the secret premises in which a few old topers used to take their morning draught and a few gill sippers their modicum of strong waters in a bashful way after having entered the barber's shop under pretence of being shaved besides this obscure tap-room gave a separate admission to the apartments of dame ursley which she was believed to make use of in the course of her multifarious practice both to let herself secretly out and to admit clients and employers who cared not to be seen to visit her in public accordingly after the hour of noon by which time the modest and timid wetters who were benjamin's best customers had each had his draught or his thimbleful the business of the tap was in a manner ended and the charge of attending the back door 
passed from one of the barber's apprentices to the little mulatto girl the dingy iris of dame subtle chop then came mystery thick upon mystery muffled gallants and masked females in disguises of different fashions were seen to glide through the intricate mazes of the alley and even the low tap on the door which frequently demanded the attention of a little creole had in it something that expressed secrecy and fear of discovery it was the evening of the same day when margaret had held the long conference with lady hermione that dame subtlechop had directed her little portress to keep the door fast as a miser's purse-strings and as she valued her saffron skin to let in none but him the name she added in a whisper and accompanied it with a nod the little domestic blinked intelligence went to her post and in brief time thereafter admitted and ushered into the presence of the dame that very city gallant whose clothes sat awkwardly upon him and who had behaved so doughtily in the fray which befell at nigel's first visit to beaujeu's ordinary the mulatto introduced him miss this fine young gentleman all over gold and velvet then muttered to herself as she shut the door fine young gentleman he apprentice to him who makes the tick-tick he was indeed we are sorry to say it and trust our readers will sympathize with the interest we take in the matter he was indeed honest jinvin who had been so far left to his own devices and abandoned by his better angel as occasionally to travesty himself in this fashion and to visit in the dress of a gallant of the day those places of pleasure and dissipation in which it would have been everlasting discredit to him to have been seen in his real character and condition that is had it been possible for him in his proper shape to have gained admission there was now a deep gloom on his brow his rich habit was hastily put on and buttoned awry his belt buckled in a most disorderly fashion so that his sword stuck outwards from his side instead of hanging by it with graceful negligence while his poniard though fairly hatched and gilded stuck in his girdle like a butcher's steel in the fold of his blue apron persons of fashion had by the way the advantage formerly of being better distinguished from the vulgar than at present for what the ancient farthingale and more modern hoop were to court ladies the sword was to the gentleman an article of dress which only rendered those ridiculous who assumed it for the nonce without being in the habit of wearing it vincent's rapier got between his legs and as he stumbled over it he exclaimed zounds tis the second time it has served me thus i believe the damned trinket knows i am no true gentleman and does it of set purpose come come mine honest jinvin come my good boy said the dame in a soothing tone never mind these trankums a frank and hearty london prentice is worth all the gallants of the inns of court i was a frank and hearty london prentice before i knew you dame subtle chop said vincent what your advice has made me you may find a name for since for george i'm ashamed to think about it myself a well-a-day quoth the dame and is it even so with thee nay then i know but one cure and with that going to a little corner cupboard of carved wainscot she opened it by the assistance of a key which with half a dozen besides hung in a silver chain at her girdle and produced a long flask of thin glass cased with wicker bringing forth at the same time two flemish rummer glasses with long stalks and capacious wounds she filled the one brimful for a guest and the other more modestly to about two-thirds of its capacity for her own use repeating as the rich cordial trickled forth in a smooth oily stream right rosa solus as ever washed mulligrubs out of a moody brain but though jinvin tossed off his glass without scruple 
while the lady sipped hers more moderately it did not appear to produce the expected amendment upon his humour on the contrary as he threw himself into the great leathern chair in which dame ursley was wont to solace herself of an evening he declared himself the most miserable dog within the sound of bow bell and why should you be so idle as to think yourself so silly boy said dame subtle chop but tis always thus fools and children never know when they are well why there is not one that walks in st paul's whether in flat cap or hat and feather that has so many kind glances from the wenches as you when ye swagger along fleet street with your bat under your arm and your cap set aside upon your head thou knowest well that from mrs deputy's self down to the waistcoatiers in the alley all of them are twiring and peeping betwixt their fingers when you pass and yet you call yourself a miserable dog and i must tell you all this over and over again as if i were whistling the chimes of london to a pettish child in order to bring the pretty baby into good humour the flattery of dame ursula seemed to have the fate of her cordial it was swallowed indeed by the party to whom she presented it and that with some degree of relish but it did not operate as a sedative on the disturbed state of the youth's mind he laughed for an instant half in scorn and half in gratified vanity but cast a sudden look on dame ursley as he replied to her last words you do treat me like a child indeed when you sing over and over to me a cuckoo song that i care not a copper filing for aha said dame ursley that is to say you care not if you please all unless you please one you are a true lover i warrant and care not for all the city from here to whitechapel so you could write yourself first in your pretty pega ramsay's good will well well take patience man and be guided by me for i will be the hoop will bind you together at last it is time you were so said jenkin for hitherto you have rather been the wedge to separate us dame subtle chop had by this time finished her cordial it was not the first she had taken that day and though a woman of strong brain and cautious at least if not abstemious in her potations it may nevertheless be supposed that her patience was not improved by the regimen which she observed why thou ungracious and ingrate knave said dame ursley have not i done everything to put thee in thy mistress's good graces she loves gentry the proud scottish minx as a welshman loves cheese and as her father's descent from that duke of dowdevil or whatsoever she calls him as close in her heart as gold in a miser's chest though she as seldom shows it and none she will think of or have but a gentleman and a gentleman i have made of thee jinvin the devil cannot deny that you have made a fool of me said poor jenkin looking at the sleeve of his jacket never the worse gentleman for that said dame ursley laughing and what is worse said he turning his back to her suddenly and writhing in his chair you have made a rogue of me never the worse gentleman for that neither said dame ursley in the same tone let a man bear his folly gaily and his knavery stoutly and let me see if gravity or honesty will look him in the face nowadays tut man it was only in the time of king arthur or king lud that a gentleman was held to blemish his scutcheon by a leap over the line of reason or honesty it is the bold look the ready hand the fine clothes the brisk oath and the wild brain that makes the gallant nowadays i know what you have made me said jenvin since i have given up skittles and trap ball for tennis and bowls good english ale for thin bordeaux and sour rhenish roast beef and pudding for woodcocks and kickshaws my bat for a sword my cap for a beaver my forsooth for a modish oath 
my christmas box for a dice box my religion for the devil's matins and mine honest name for woman i could bring thee when i think whose advice has guided me in all this whose advice then whose advice then speak out thou poor pretty cloak-brusher and say who advised thee retorted dame ursley flushed and indignant mary come up my paltry companion say by whose advice you have made a gamester of yourself and a thief besides as your words would bear the lord deliver us from evil and here dame ursley devoutly crossed herself hark ye dame ursley subtle chop said jenkins starting up his dark eyes flashing with anger remember i am none of your husband and if i were you would do well not to forget whose threshold was swept when they last rode the skimmington upon such another scolding jade as yourself i hope to see you ride up holborn next said dame ursley provoked out of all her holiday and sugar-plum expressions with a nosegay at your breast and a parson at your elbow that may well be answered jinvin bitterly if i walk by your counsels as i have begun by them but before that day comes you shall know that jinvin has the brisk boys of fleet street still at his wink yes you jade you shall be carted for baud and conjurer double dyed in grain and being off to bridewell with every brass basin betwixt the bar and paul's beating before you as if the devil were banging them with his beef-hook dame ursley coloured like scarlet seized upon the half-emptied flask of cordial and seemed by her first gesture about to hurl it at the head of her adversary but suddenly as if by a strong internal effort she checked her outrageous resentment and putting the bottle to its more legitimate use filled with wonderful composure the two glasses and taking up one of them said with a smile which better became her comely and jovial countenance than the fury by which it was animated the moment before here is to thee jinvin my lad in all loving-kindness whatever spite thou bearest to me that have always been a mother to thee jenkins english good-nature could not resist this forcible appeal he took up the other glass and lovingly pledged the dame in her cup of reconciliation and proceeded to make a kind of grumbling apology for his own violence for you know he said it was you persuaded me to get these fine things and go to that godless ordinary and ruffle it with the best and bring you home all the news and you said i that was the cock of the ward would soon be the cock of the ordinary and would win ten times as much at gleek and primero as i used to do at put and beggar my neighbour and turn up doublets with the dice as busily as i was wont to troll down the ninepins in the skittle ground and then you said i should bring you such news out of the ordinary as should make us all when used as you knew how to use it and now you see what is to come of it all tis all true thou sayest lad said the dame but thou must have patience rome was not built in a day you cannot become used to your court suit in a month's time any more than when you changed your long coat for a doublet and hose and in gaming you must expect to lose as well as gain tis the sitting gamester sweeps the board the board has swept me i know replied jinvin and that pretty clean out i would that were the worst but i owe for all this finery and settling day is coming on and my master will find my accompt worse than it should be by a score of pieces my old father will be called in to make them good and i may save the hangman a labour and do the job myself or go the virginia voyage do not speak so loud my dear boy said dame ursley but tell me why you borrow not from a friend to make up your arrear you could lend him as much when his settling day came round no no i have had enough of that work said vincent tunstall would lend me the money poor fellow and he had it but his gentle beggarly kindred plunder him of all and keep him as bare as a birch at christmas no my fortune may be spelt in four letters and these read 
r u i n ruin now hush you simple craven said the dame did you never hear that when the need is highest the help is nighest we may find aid for you yet and sooner than you are aware of i am sure i would never have advised you to such a course but only you had set heart and eye on pretty mistress margaret and less would not serve you and what could i do but advise you to cast your city's slough and try your luck where folks find fortune ay ay i remember your counsel well said jenkin i was to be introduced to her by you when i was perfect in my gallantries and as rich as the king and then she was to be surprised to find i was poor chinvin that used to watch from matin to curfew for one glance of her eye and now instead of that she has set her soul on this scottish sparrowhawk of a lord that won my last tester and be cursed to him and so i am bankrupt in love fortune and character before i am out of my time and all along of you mother midnight do not call me out of my own name my dear boy jinvin answered ursula in a tone betwixt rage and coaxing do not because i am no saint but a poor sinful woman with no more patience than she needs to carry her through a thousand crosses and if i have done you wrong by evil counsel i must mend it and put you right by good advice and for the score of pieces that must be made up at settling day why here is in a good green purse as much as will make that matter good and we will get old crosspatch the tailor to take a long day for your clothes and mother are you serious said jinvin unable to trust either his eyes or his ears in troth am i said the dame and will you call me mother midnight now jinvin mother midnight exclaimed jenkin hugging the dame in his transport and bestowing on her still comely cheek a hearty and not unacceptable smack that sounded like the report of a pistol mother midday rather that has risen to light me out of my troubles a mother more dear than she who bore me for she poor soul only brought me into the world of sin and sorrow and your timely aid has helped me out of the one and the other and the good-natured fellow threw himself back in his chair and fairly drew his hand across his eyes you would not have me be made to ride the skimmington then said the dame or parade me in a cart with all the brass basins of the ward beating the march to bridewell before me i would sooner be carted to tyburn myself replied the penitent why then sit up like a man and wipe thine eyes and if thou art pleased with what i have done i will show thee how thou mayest requite me in the highest degree how said jenkin vincent sitting straight up in his chair you would have me then do you some service for this friendship of yours i marry would i said dame ursley for you are to know that though i am right glad to stead you with it this gold is not mine but was placed in my hands in order to find a trusty agent for a certain purpose and so but what's the matter with you are you fool enough to be angry because you cannot get a purse of gold for nothing i would i knew where such were to come by i never could find them lying in my road i promise you no no dame said poor jenkin it is not for that for look you i would rather work these ten bones to the knuckles and live by my labour but and here he paused but what man said dame ursa you are willing to work for what you want and yet when i offer you gold for the winning you look on me as the devil looks over lincoln it is ill talking of the devil mother said jenkin i had him even now in my head for look you i am at that pass when they say he will appear to wretched ruined creatures and proffer them gold for the fee simple of their salvation but i have been trying these two days to bring my mind strongly up to the thought that i would rather sit down in shame and sin and sorrow as i am like to do than hold on in ill courses to get rid of my present straits and so take care dame ursula how you tempt me to break such a good resolution 
i tempt you to nothing young man answered ursula and as i perceive you are too wilful to be wise i will e'en put my purse in my pocket and look out for some one that will work my turn with better will and more thankfulness and you may go your own course break your indenture ruin your father lose your character and bid pretty mistress margaret farewell for ever and a day stay stay said jenkin the woman is in as great a hurry as a brown baker when his oven is overheated first let me hear that which you have to propose to me why after all it is but to get a gentleman of rank and fortune who is in trouble carried in secret down the river as far as the isle of dogs or somewhere thereabout where he may lie concealed until he can escape abroad i know thou knowest every place by the river-side as well as the devil knows an usurer or the beggar knows his dish a plague of your similes dame replied the apprentice for the devil gave me that knowledge and beggary may be the end on't but what has this gentleman done that he should need to be under hiding no papist i hope no catesby and piercy business no gunpowder plot fie fie what do you take me for said dame ursula i am as good a churchwoman as the parson's wife save that necessary business will not allow me to go there oftener than on christmas day heaven help me no no this is no popish matter the gentleman hath but struck another in the park ha what said vincent interrupting her with a start ay ay i see you guess whom i mean it is even he we have spoken of so often just lord glenvarlock and no one else vincent sprung from his seat and traversed the room with rapid and disorderly steps there there it is now you are always ice or gunpowder you sit in the great leathern armchair as quiet as a rocket hangs upon the frame in a rejoicing night till the match be fired and then whiz you are in the third heaven beyond the reach of the human voice eye or brain when you have wearied yourself with padding to and fro across the room will you tell me your determination for time presses will you aid me in this matter or not no 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 a thousand times no replied jenkin have you not confessed to me that margaret loves him ay answered the dame that she thinks she does but that will not last long and have i not told you but this instant replied jenkin that it was this same glenvarlock that rooked me at the ordinary of every penny i had and made a knave of me to boot by gaining more than was my own oh that cursed gold which shortyard the mercer paid me that morning on a compt for mending the clock of st stephen's if i had not by ill chance had that about me i could but have beggared my purse without blemishing my honesty and after i had been rooked of all the rest amongst them i must needs risk the last five pieces with that shark among the minnows granted said dame ursula all this i know and i own that as lord glenvarlock was the last you played with you have a right to charge your ruin on his head moreover i admit as already said that margaret has made him your rival yet surely now he is in danger to lose his hand it is not a time to remember all this by my faith but it is though said the young citizen lose his hand indeed they may take his head for what i care head in hand and ha made me a miserable wretch now were it not better my prince of flatcaps said dame ursula that matters were squared between you and that through means of the same scottish lord who has as you say deprived you of your money and your mistress you should in a short time recover both and now can your wisdom come to that conclusion dame said the apprentice my money indeed i can conceive that is if i comply with your proposal but my pretty margaret how serving this lord whom she has set her nonsensical head upon can do me good with her is far beyond my conception that is because in simple phrase said dame ursula thou knowest no more of a woman's heart 
and doth a norfolk gosling look you man were i to report to mistress margaret that the young lord has miscarried through thy lack of courtesy in refusing to help him why then thou wert odious to her for ever she will loathe thee as she will loathe the very cook who is to strike off glenvarlock's hand with his cleaver and then she will be yet more fixed in her affections towards this lord london will hear of nothing but him speak of nothing but him think of nothing but him for three weeks at least and all that outcry will serve to keep him uppermost in her mind for nothing pleases a girl so much as to bear relation to any one who is the talk of the whole world around her then if he suffer this sentence of the law it is a chance if she ever forgets him i saw that handsome proper young gentleman babington suffer in the queen's time myself and though i was then but a girl he was in my head for a year after he was hanged but above all pardoned or punished glenvarlock will probably remain in london and his presence will keep up the silly girl's nonsensical fancy about him whereas if he escapes ay show me how that is to avail me said jenkin if he escapes said the dame resuming her argument he must resign the court for years if not for life and you know the old saying out of sight and out of mind true most true said jenkin spoken like an oracle most wise ursula ay ay i knew you would hear reason at last said the wily dame and then when this same lord is off and away for once and for ever who i pray you is to be pretty pet's confidential person and who is to fill up the void in her affections why who but thou thou pearl apprentices and then you will have overcome your own inclinations to comply with hers and every woman is sensible of that and you will have run some risk too in carrying her desires into effect and what is it that woman likes better than bravery and devotion to her will then you have her secret and she must treat you with favour and observance and repose confidence in you and hold private intercourse with you till she weeps with one eye for the absent lover whom she is never to see again and blinks with the other blithely upon him who is in presence and then if you know not how to improve the relation in which you stand with her you are not the brisk lively lad that all the world takes you for said i well you have spoken like an empress most mighty ursula said jenkin vincent and your will shall be obeyed you know alsatia well continued his tutoress well enough well enough replied he with a nod i've heard the dice rattle there in my day before i must set up for gentlemen and go among the gallants of the chevalier bojos as they call him the worst rookery of the two though the feathers are the gayest and they will have a respect for thee yonder i warrant ay ay replied vin when i am got into my fustian doublet again with my bit of a trunnion under my arm i can walk alsatia at midnight as i could do that there fleet street in midday they will not one of them swagger with the prince of prentices and the king of clubs they know i could bring every tall boy in the ward down upon them and you know all the watermen and so forth can converse with every sculler in his own language from richmond to gravesend and know all the watercocks from john taylor the poet to little grig the grinner who never pulls but he shows all his teeth from ear to ear as if he were grimacing through a horse collar and you can take any dress or character upon you well such as a waterman's a butcher's a foot soldier's continued ursula or the like not such a mummer as i am within the walls and thou knowest that well enough dame replied the apprentice i can touch the players themselves at the ball and at the fortune for presenting anything except a gentleman take but this damned skin of frippery of me which i think the devil stuck me into and you shall put me into nothing else that i will not become as if i were born to it well we will talk of your transmutation by and by said the dame and fine clothes withal and money besides 
for it will take a good deal to carry the thing handsomely through but where is that money to come from dame said jenkin there is a question i would fain have answered before i touch it why what a fool art thou to ask such a question suppose i am content to advance it to please young madam what is the harm then i will suppose no such thing said jenkin hastily i know that you dame have no gold to spare and maybe would not spare it if you had so that cock will not crow it must be from margaret herself well thou suspicious animal and what if it were said ursula only this replied jenkin that i will presently to her and learn if she has come fairly by so much ready money for sooner than connive at her getting it by any indirection i would hang myself at once it is enough what i have done myself no need to engage margaret in such villainy i'll to her and tell her of the danger i will by heaven you are mad to think of it said dame subtlechop considerably alarmed hear me but a moment i know not precisely from whom she got the money but sure i am that she obtained it at her godfather's why master george harriet is not returned from france said jenkin no replied ursula but dame judith is at home and the strange lady whom they call master harriet's ghost she never goes abroad it is very true dame subtlechop said jenkin and i believe you have guessed right they say that lady has coin at will and if margaret can get a handful of fairy gold why she is free to throw it away at will ah jen vin said the dame reducing her voice almost to a whisper we should not want gold at will neither could we but read the riddle of that lady they may read it that list said jenkin i'll never pry into what concerns me not master george harriet is a worthy and brave citizen and an honour to london and has a right to manage his own household as he likes best there was once a talk of rabbling him the fifth of november before the last because they said he kept a nunnery in his house like old lady foljam but master george is well loved among the prentices and we got so many brisk boys of us together as should have rabbled the rabble had they had but the heart to rise well let that pass said ursula and now tell me how you will manage to be absent from shop a day or two for you must think that this matter will not be ended sooner why as to that i can say nothing said jenkin i have always served duly and truly i have no heart to play truant and cheat my master of his time as well as his money nay but the point is to get back his money for him said ursula which he is not likely to see on other conditions could you not ask leave to go down to your uncle in essex for two or three days he may be ill you know why if i must i must said jenkin with a heavy sigh but i will not be lightly caught treading these dark and crooked paths again hush thee then said the dame and get leave for this very evening and come back hither and i will introduce you to another implement who must be employed in the matter stay stay the lad is mazed you would not go into your master's shop in that guise surely your trunk is in the matted chamber with your prentice things go and put them on as fast as you can i think i am bewitched said jenkin giving a glance towards his dress or that these fool's trappings have made a great ass of me as of many i have seen wear them but let me once be rid of the harness and if you catch me putting it on again i will give you leave to sell me to a gipsy to carry pots pans and beggars bantlings all the rest of my life so saying he retired to change his apparel End of chapter twenty one